This is Vermont Edition. I'm Jane Lindholm. And now it's time for Dorothy's List, VPR's book club for kids, based on the books nominated for Vermont's Dorothy Canfield Fisher Award. Today, VPR's Amy Noyce takes us to Brandon, where students are learning about medieval France as part of their studies around the book, The Inquisitor's Tale. This group of Dorothy's List readers at the Nesheby School is really getting into Adam Gidwitz's book, which takes place in the Middle Ages. And by that I mean they are literally putting themselves into the narrative. The book's full title is The Inquisitor's Tale, or The Three Magical Children and Their Holy Dog. And library media specialist Hannah Field has challenged these kids to think about What if there were four magical children, and they were the fourth? What would that look like? We're on this website called We Video, and we're editing photos to make it look like we're in the book Inquisitor's Tale. Yeah, and we had pictures of, like, different places that they go, and then we're taking pictures of ourselves with the green screen to make it look like we are there. That's Elizabeth Atherton and Sally O'Brien. And you heard right, they have a green screen in their school library, and they're using it to place themselves in medieval France along with the characters in the book. Those characters have some pretty fantastic adventures, and fifth grader Jaylee McJarrett wondered why the author chose to tell their stories. Why did you want to write this book? We put Jaylee's question and questions from other Nesheby School students to author Adam Gidwitz. That's a great question, Jaylee. My wife is a professor of medieval history. She studies the Middle Ages. And uh, for her work, we had to go uh, and live in France for a year. I say we had to. It was awesome. And I came across all sorts of crazy stories while I was there. The first story I came across was about a monastery that was surrounded by quicksand. We even went and visited it, and we walked in the quicksand. It was crazy. And when I learned about a monastery surrounded by quicksand, I thought, maybe I should put this into a book. And then I heard another story about a haunted forest where a monk was attacked by fiends and then had to beat them to death with a donkey's leg. And I was like, whoa, maybe I should put that into a book. And then I heard a story about a holy dog. And I was like, okay, that's amazing. Maybe I should put that into a book. And then I heard a story about a dragon that kills people by farting on them. And I thought, okay, I'm making a book. We'll hear more about that gaseous dragon in a bit. But first, let's learn about the three children, Jean, William, and Jacob. Each has a magical power, but they also each have a set of challenges to overcome. Jean is based on Joan of Arc. She has visions of the future. That's a dangerous talent, as people were killed if they were thought to be practicing witchcraft. Jacob is persecuted for being Jewish, yet he also has a gift of amazing healing powers. And William is a young monk with superhuman strength, which can be both a blessing and a curse. His father was a European lord fighting the Muslim kings of his mother's homeland in northern Africa. And fourth grader Jackson Howe thinks William faced the biggest challenge of the three. He never met his parents, and his dad was fighting away his mom's race. I think that was a very difficult problem. Jackson had this question for the author. How did you come up with the problems for each character? Gidwitz says the characters Jean and William came from stories he found, but he invented the character Jacob specifically to deal with a challenge. Sometimes I had the character first. I had heard stories about a girl who had visions of the future, 
And so I wanted to have a girl like that in my book. I had heard about a monk who had been attacked by fiends in a haunted forest and had to beat them off with a donkey's leg. I wanted that guy in my book. So I had the characters first. Other times I had the problems first. When I was living in France, we went to a museum of Jewish history, and we saw a plaque in the museum explaining that there were no Jewish books from before 1242 in the museum because all of the Jewish books that were not Bibles in 1242 and earlier were burned in the center of Paris. Every book was made by hand. They were gathered into the center of Paris, and they were burned. This was something that I wanted to write about because it's very, very upsetting. And so I wanted a Jewish character who would be able to grapple with this. And so Jacob, the Jewish boy, has a problem before he even existed. So sometimes the character was first and sometimes the problem was first. In the book, the three children from different parts of France meet up and join forces. Here's author Adam Gidwitz reading the opening to The Inquisitor's Tale. The king is ready for war. Louis of France is not yet thirty, and already he is the greatest king in Europe. He loves his subjects, he loves God, and his armies have never been defeated. This war, though, is different. He is not fighting another army. He is not fighting another king. He is fighting three children and their dog. A week ago, Louis hadn't heard of these three children. No one had. But now they are the most famous children in France and the most wanted. How did this happen? That's what I'm wondering. It's why I'm at the Holy Crossroads Inn, a day's walk north of Paris. It's early March in the year of our Lord, 1242. Outside the sky is dark and getting darker. The wind is throwing the branches of an oak against the walls of the inn. The shutters are closed tight to keep the dark out. It's the perfect night for a story. The story's narrator is a mysterious character who doesn't actually do much of the storytelling. That's because he hasn't met the children yet. Along with the narrator, the reader pieces everything together from stories told by people at the inn, including a butcher, a companion of the king, the innkeeper, and an odd little nun who seems to know more than she should. Fifth grader Brennan Ketchum wanted to know more about that strange nun. Why did you make it so that the nun knew everything people were thinking? Gidwitz says, while various people at the inn could tell the children's stories, there was still something missing. We really did need scenes where we could see sort of deep into the hearts and minds of these three children. Who could possibly do that? Well, maybe a nun who knew everything. So the reason the nun is there is to help me introduce you to the kids. Is it a cheat? Maybe. Do writers cheat all the time? Yes. When, as a writer, are you allowed to cheat? When it makes the story better. Another storytelling convention in The Inquisitor's Tale is an illustration style called illumination, which led sixth grader Abigail Hayes to ask, Why did you include the illuminations? Abigail says she liked the unique illustrations, but... Most of the time I didn't really see them because I got so into the book, and then I'd look at the side and I'd be like, oh... Should look at that. First, Gidwitz explains what illuminations are. In the Middle Ages, you would often have books that had comments or illuminations or doodles or drawings in the margins. And one of the coolest things about books from the Middle Ages is 
you would often have one opinion in the middle of the page, and you would have other opinions around the edges of the page, people disagreeing with what the person who had written in the middle of the page was saying. So you would often get multiple opinions and multiple perspectives on a question right on the same page. And Gidwit says he wanted that to happen in his book, too. And so I asked an amazing illustrator. His name is Hatem Ali. He is a Muslim guy who was born in Egypt and now lives in Canada to illuminate my manuscript. I asked Hatem to do some drawings that illustrated what I was writing about. Other drawings could just be doodles, sort of whatever he felt like scribbling in the margins. And he drew, for example, a fantastic two-headed cat in the margins of this book. And sometimes... I invited Hatem to draw things that disagreed with what I had written in the book so that we could also have multiple perspectives on the same page. And in case you're still waiting to hear more about that dragon with gastrointestinal issues, here's a question from fifth grader Oliver Lavelle. What inspired you to come up with the farting dragon? Well, Oliver, that is not only a great question, probably the most important question that could be asked about the Inquisitor's Tale. There is indeed a farting dragon, and why in the world would I write about something like that? Well, the answer is, I did not invent the farting dragon. There is a book from about 800 years ago called The Golden Legend, where an author collected the lives of saints, and there are hundreds of saints' lives in this collection of stories. One of them is the life of St. Martha. And in the life of St. Martha... St. Martha has to perform many tasks, and one of them is to confront a dragon. And in the book, it says that the danger with this dragon is that when anyone attacks it or confronts it, it turns and then, I quote, casts behind it its ordure, and whatever it toucheth burneth like fire. In other words, when the dragon fart hits you, you burst into flames. And our last question for author Adam Gidwitz comes from fourth grader Hannah Bertrand. Do you believe in magic? Whoa. Do I believe in magic, Hannah? Absolutely. Sometimes the magic seems supernatural and isn't. Sometimes something is very obviously natural but is also magical. And sometimes there's just stuff we can't explain. And you know what? It could be magic. I write about magic in most of my books, and uh, I think it is both awesome and, in one sense or another, definitely real. For VPR News, I'm Amy Noyes. The book is The Inquisitor's Tale by Adam Gidwitz. Special thanks to Neshebe School Library Media Specialist Hannah Field. Next month on Dorothy's List, we'll talk with Vermont author Todd Olson about his nonfiction book, Lost in the Pacific, 1942. Here's Westford fifth grader Max Droppa reading an excerpt. The Pacific Ocean looked calm and inviting from 5,000 feet up, with the drone of four sturdy motors in Jim Whitaker's ear. But he had no desire to land a 15-ton four-engine plane down there. To a B-17 bomber plunging from the sky, the ocean is as unforgiving as a concrete wall. Yet by 1.30 p.m. on October 21, 1942, that was the only option left. That's Max Droppa reading from Lost in the Pacific, 1942. It's our next selection in Dorothy's List.